Hello there and welcome to the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, episode 23. We are two die-hard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. Real, family-friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Mitchell, how's your week been? It's been good. It's been a good week this week. Uh, a bit rainy this weekend in Sydney, but apart from that, some great rugby. So, can't it really complain. Been. I know, especially for us, we actually made it out to the Waratahs game last night. And I think we were both more than pleasantly surprised at what unfolded in front of us and can't wait to chat about that game. Um, well, Mitch, why don't you jump into socials and then we'll tell everyone what we're doing tonight. Yeah, awesome. All right. So we are on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We're on Facebook on a page called Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. And we're also on Twitter. So this is something that we haven't really been hitting up lately uh, over the last few weeks, but we're back on it now and we're going to start using it a little bit more. So you can follow us at, at pick and drive pod. No, wait. Oh, no, no, no. That's not the one. That's, that's the, the old, old one. Hold pick on. Underscore drive rugby. So we'll be getting pretty active on that, particularly the commentating during the game. So you can sure you get some up-to-date saltiness as we're watching. Yeah, there, so the, good. the plan for it's us good. going forward is to use it whilst we're watching the games. We'll both have access to it. So you'll never know who's actually <laughs> saying it. But um, yeah, no, Maybe it good. can be a game to figure out who says which salty post. Exactly. Yeah, no, that'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. Um, what you often get on a weekly pod is our... Um, reactions when we've had time to be a bit more reflective and take, just to take a step back. So it'll be great to have that kind of up-to-date commentary of the game. Um, but the other things we're going to be touching on this evening are this. Number one, we're going to hit up some spicy news before we then get into the Australian and then the Aotearoa competitions. Um, obviously, the focus, because we are an Aussie rugby podcast, will be on Super Rugby AU, but we'll touch on the Aotearoa games, particularly congratulating the Crusaders for yet another win. Um, shall we head on to the spicy news, Mitchell? Yeah, I think we've said everything we need to so far, so let's get into the news. Let's get into it. First up this week is the spicy, spicy news. Mm. And first bit of news is very exciting for all those rugby gamers out there. So if you caught the pod last week, we were talking about Rugby Challenge 4, which had been released. And a bit of a pet peeve for myself, being a Waratahs fan, found out that the Waratahs weren't in the game something we were speaking about and couldn't quite figure out why or how, why it didn't make any sense. But this week it has been clarified that the Waratahs have come to an agreement with the developers of the game and they will be added in the not too distant future. So that's very exciting for me, I guess. <laughs> for you. For me. <laughs> and, and the three and, uh, other people that play the game. Yeah, exactly. And four other, five other people around the world. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's great. It's great to see that they're, um, they've come to their senses and made some kind of agreement. Uh, I guess there must have been sort of backlash of people or people reaching out to the Waratahs saying, how come you're not involved? Come on, get let's get this sorted. So, yep. I mean, we it's just cool to think that something we said on the podcast is obviously we're being listened to and um, <laughs> we're making a difference in the rugby community. So that's There's awesome. definitely undoubtedly a result of our comments last week. There's no yeah, well, other potential. Awesome no, influence. no doubt that the Waratahs listen to our podcast and go, oh, these guys, are, these guys are on the money. We need to get this sorted. And then went out on Tuesday and, and made the agreement. So well done. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well done to us. Well done to the Waratahs. Well done to Rugby Channel. Yes. <laughs> um, so the next piece of news is we have basically some news has come out that the 
really high quality Australian women's sevens team. Um, a lot of the players have just been in training because there's been no competition happening and they've actually had permission from Rugby Australia to be released for September, October to go and play rugby league in the women's competition. And what do you think about that one, Mitch? I think it's good. I like it. It's, um, I mean, we're, we're not playing sevens at the moment. The Olympics were meant to be on at this sort of time frame and they've been postponed to next year. So the development's been pushed another six months or so for that competition. There's nothing that they can really be doing internally I mean, apart from playing club rugby. So I, have, I don't really have any issues about them going out and playing league. It probably, I hope that they go out and do really well. And then all of the NRL players will, or the league followers will sort of go, wow, these sevens girls, are, they're on fire. How good are they? And sort of bring a bit more interest into the sevens game. But um, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's just a smart option. Get some game time and really... I don't see any downside of it unless they love rugby league too much and they come back to rugby union. But hey, let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't read too much into this around contract negotiations, but I assume there'd be something saying that they've got a, a contract with the sevens team for the next two years or whatever, and they kind of need to come back. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's good that the ARU and the NRL are sort of in talks and agreeing on things because that's, we want to be, be sort of, being uh, amicable going forward and not yeah. fighting against each other. I think for the, the, the good of both sports, it's good to see that they're coming to positive agreements together. Agreed. All right, next news. Next news. So this one, I've only read this on uh, Wales Today newspaper. I haven't read it anywhere else. Wales so I don't online. know. Yeah. Wales Online, is it? Yeah. So I don't know if, um, how accurate it actually is. Not to discredit. Wales Online, just so you know is the depository of all that is good in rugby union and is never known for scuttlebutt and scandal. But um, not to discredit the Wales online publication at all, but we haven't seen it anywhere else. So I'm just wondering if it's a little bit of clickbait to get people reading. But what they're reporting is that... Um, I've just had a mind blank. What's his name? Coach of the Chiefs? Gatlin. <laughs> Warren Gatlin. No, oh, Warren, Warren Gatlin. Gatlin. Yeah, sorry. Warren Gatlin is in talks to sign... Uh, Maro Itoje and Owen Farrell to the Chiefs next year to come and play some super rugby. Mm. Mm. Now, I, I don't remember exactly from the article whether this was prior to the Lions tournament or after the tournament. Um, I think it would be prior to. So basically, okay. for those of you who aren't in the know, Saracens Premier League team are getting relegated because they've been dodgy and cooking the books and they're going to be going down to the championship, but they have a very good squad and they don't really need all their star players. And they have a core of the England rugby nationals. So it may well be that a couple of their players are going to just have some different experiences, maybe even get them off the books for a little bit of time um, whilst they're down in the championships. So the rumour is that Mario Atoje and Owen Farrell will come across. The interesting thing is, I mean, we don't even know yet what the New Zealand competition will be. Yeah. So the idea that these athletes are currently having discussions about joining a New Zealand team, potentially the Chiefs, um, when there's no certainty about what the competition will be, seems a little bit ludicrous at this point. Um, but I actually really kind of welcome the idea. Part of me wants to see them go up against New Zealand and Australian teams. And I know they're, I know they're world-class players, really, but a part of me just wants them to get smacked. And you just know they're going to get targeted week in, week out, game after game. Um, so it would be a fantastic challenge for them as athletes and great to see Pommies get smashed. So, yeah. Get smashed. Thought. So, are you saying that you want them to do well or you don't want them to do well? Uh, I think they will do well. 
Um, but I don't mind if they cop a few big hits in the process. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see this. I think it'd be great. We saw Joe Marchant come down from Harlequins this year for the Blues, and he actually had a really big impact on their team. So he did yeah, a lot of good well. things, and he played really well. So I think it does show that there is a talent up there for, for them to match Super Rugby level. These yep. guys definitely would just fit straight into any Super Rugby side, I think. Um, Agreed. I don't know, culture-wise, there might be a little bit of difference there, um, but I wouldn't think that they'd have any issues on the field and competing. So, yeah, I reckon it'd be cool. I would love to see it happen. Um, Owen Farrell, yeah, he can stay in New Zealand, but I would love to see um, Mario Atoje come to the Tars. That would be, like, the it's best thing ever. Happen, it's not going to happen. It's, it's not, gonna not happen. going to happen. Not at all. But how good would it be? It'd be pretty great, but it's not going to happen. No, it's not um, going to happen, but we can always dream. I mean, we, we didn't think that the Waratahs were going to do that well this weekend, and <laughs> look, we'll get to that shortly, but... We will. You know, we will. You can, right, can always happen. Yeah, so the last little bit of news is just a sad one. Um, unfortunately, Jordan Pattaya's father passed away suddenly this week. And so we just wanted to say our condolences and that we, we're all thinking about Jordan and his family at this sort of sad time and, and the Reds team as well. It definitely had a, um, an impact on their performance on the weekend. Yep. And if you watch the, um, the post-max function press conference, um, yeah, Brad Thorne was definitely sort of feeling it. So yeah, all of the, our thoughts and prayers go out to Jordan and his family. 100%. And I think the final thing we'll touch on as a point of news is um, Hamish McLennan did an interview with Paul Cully, who um, it was then put out in stuff.co.nz. Um, so Hamish McLennan is Rugby Australia chairman, and it was basically a conversation around the ongoing discussions or um, negotiations about what Super Rugby may well look like next year. And it was pretty interesting read. We won't go through every single bit of it, but basically the idea that he puts out there is point number one, he's not backing down from Australia having five teams in that competition. And if New Zealand doesn't want to come to the ball and allow five teams to join a competition with New Zealand or to have something together, then Australia will go alone and look to invite other regional partners, like maybe a team from Japan and maybe a team from the Pacific Islands. Um, so that's, that's the first point that he makes. And then the second point, which I found like a really cheeky little negotiation, negotiating dig, was um, talking about the potential for the 2027 World Cup, yeah. where he was saying, um, obviously, there's been some discussions about maybe New Zealand having a couple of the games in the 2027 World Cup. Uh, but he says, I had been open to it, but it's predicated on genuine cooperation. <laughs> and the current mood doesn't fill me with a whole lot of hope. We're hearing from World Rugby, they would prefer, prefer a single host nation. So we'll see. Good on you, Hamish McLennan. He's like, you know that thing that you're wanting from us? Well, if you're going to be douchebags about the Super Rugby competition, well, you're not getting any of the games. Um, I, I just kind of enjoyed that little that little moment. And maybe that's an oversimplification of how I read it, but it was fun to read anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I think it's good that he's sort of on the front foot here that we're not, uh, that he's out there and he's actually staking his claim for the, for the Australian game and sticking it back to New Zealand, which I think, so I loved, I loved everything he said. I love also that he said that, you know, we've given New Zealand our, our preference. We'll give you a few weeks, but then our back, we've got a backup plan as well we'll do our own domestic thing and we're going to go to the market with both models and see what we can get. So it's kind of sort of giving it back to New Zealand saying, look, we don't really need you. We'd like to work with you, but if you're choosing not to cooperate, then so be it. We'll do our own thing. 
which I think is the best way to go about it. I mean, we've spoken about this in the past, how New Zealand were just very high and mighty, that they tried to dictate things to Australia, um, which, I mean, the hard part is some of what they said had strong elements of truth in it, but it was also done in such a way that was incredibly offensive. Um, and so it's just nice to have that, that repost, that response from the chief executive going, no, it's okay. We, we have plans, we have things we're working towards and yeah, I'm looking to see what comes up in the next yeah, few weeks. Yeah, I just love the fact that he's gone sort of, we'd like to work with you, but we don't need you. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not needed. You're not the essential element here. We can go ourselves. It's I, don't in know, your I, don't know, I don't know exactly how true that is, but I like, the, <laughs> I like the sound of it anyway. Well, I would say that the rugby, and I've been saying this for weeks, but the rugby AU comp's a great competition. And yeah, I do I'm think sure. that the, it, it would work maybe not as, as successful without New Zealand, but it would still work. It would be a feasible backup plan. Yeah. Cool. Well, why don't we move on to the well, games before, now? Just before we, we move off this kind of World Cup topic, a bit of news Ooh, came yeah. out last week, and I don't think we mentioned it on the pod, but surprisingly, another country has come forward as a potential host for the 2027 oh, yeah. World Cup yep. to challenge yep. Australia's rain, uh, run and bid, and that is Russia. And Putin mm. is one of the... The, the Ruskies. Of, that's putting his um his power behind the that the process. So I thought that was quite interesting. I don't know how far that would go, but yeah, look, no, they're just not going to get it. Surely, surely I mean, I they're not. Hope not. Get it. They're the not a major area. European like tier two team, and the desperation that Australia needs this World Cup to remain a financially viable tier one nation, like World Rugby, are going to give it to Australia. Um, oh, we, we I, hope so as Australians. But yeah, they hosted the Soccer World Cup not a few years ago and they did quite well with that. Yeah, but the, so the Football World Cup is one of the most corrupt bidding processes <laughs> in like anything to do with the world ever. The fact that Qatar has the upcoming World Cup is just an indictment upon FIFA. Right. Um, and so I just don't think it is that same level of corruption at rugby, yeah. uh, at World Rugby, particularly when you consider the need Australian rugby has for the hosting of that World Cup um, and the history that we have as one of the most um, significant nations, tier one nation. Um, not the, but one of. We're definitely up there. Um, so I, I just don't think Russia are even in with a chance. And if no other tier one or like if America's not going for it, I think we'll be okay. Look, I, I'm not as confident in you in that. I would love it to be Australia, but I do think Russia will put something they've been backed by um they've been backed by one nation i can't remember who it was now um but yeah there was georgia was it no i've no, no idea. it was it was one of the Doubting. it was one of the top tier nations that has backed them for their proposal which is why it's okay. been sort of taken a bit seriously but anyway um yeah, yeah i fingers crossed that australia gets it because i would love to have a home world cup well That's with rod Kafer at the helm the um the, the bib committee then nothing no not rod Kafer. um phil, phil Kearns. Kearns. At the head of the committee, nothing can go wrong. So we're all good. Um, he's got something there, hasn't he? I mean, he went for the, the CEO job, didn't get that. So they said, look, you just run, you look after our bid process. Um, there's your, that, that's your sort of, your pin on your tie. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens and we'll keep everyone updated as more news of that comes out. All right. I think that's enough of the spicy news for this week. So let's move into the Australian games. Let's go. 
All right, we move now to the Super Rugby AU games. And it was the Melbourne Rebels kicking us off against the ACT Brumbies at Leichhardt Oval in Sydney. And the Rebels, in the first upset of the weekend, absolutely pumped the Brumbies 30-12. to 12. And even then, Will Miller's try in the 80th minute was a consolation try. And so really, it's 30-7. to 7 that they essentially have been beaten by. So it was a massive, massive upset. Not many people predicted it. Um, I don't think anybody in our tipping predicted it. Yep, now, and, that, now that you mention it, we will just go straight to our picks. So yeah, to for this game, we both went for Brumbies by quite convincing margins. So I said Brumbies by 10 and you said Brumbies by 14. So mm-hmm. we had Tim who said Rebels by 20. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and Very close. Carlos said Brumbies by four. Okay, so, Tim so Tim gets the chocolates. Jockeys. Well done. Eighteen. He's only two points off. And did he have some insider knowledge or something there? I've got uh, no idea. He's picking a huge margin against the form, and yet he's come out. I reckon it's a little bit of optimism. Yeah. A bit of courage. Yeah. It's like I'm going for the upset here, and he's just pulled it off. <laughs> well done, though. Well done. Well done, Tim. Okay. Um, so let's actually get into the game. And it was, I'm really glad that I'm introing this section, this segment <laughs> of the, okay. Because there's, there's one thing I really need to highlight before we dive into the game in a lot of detail. The most important singular piece of news from the entire weekend is that Ryan Lonergan returned to the bench for the oh, come back, Ryan Lonergan. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> You let me say this. <laughs> and so, I think um, that goes to show the the performance that was put in by this Brumby side with Lonigan on the bench. <laughs> well said, well said. Um, I, I just find it interesting that everyone's spricking up Isaac Fines, but as soon as Lonigan returns to fitness, he pips Fines on the bench. So yeah. maybe I'm not as crazy as everybody else said. But anyway, let's actually move on to the realities. Uh, what was your general takeaways from this game, Mitch? Look, I've got this one thought that's kind of, been i guess it's it's formed over the weekend through both results in super rugby au and that is that i think we're starting to see the competition or the the nature of this domestic competition is actually catching up with the teams so Mm -hmm. and the biggest point here is the travel component so both teams that lost their games had to travel so both home teams won and across both and they both played a really intense game last week so i just I'm I'm wondering, like, going into this round, no one would have predicted either performance from both of the Reds or the Brumbies. And we're not really... And they're not characteristic performances by the team either. So they were just both really off their game. And I think that the nature of the competition, how tough it is, how you have to back up, so, you know, six-day turnarounds, you have to travel in. So the Reds had to f- have to fly in from Queensland, play, then fly oh, home fine. on the same day. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that's what we're starting to see catch up. Um, yeah. Because, it's, yeah, it's just so unusual that we've got a team who's undefeated and then gets done by the team that's coming third last. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I think that is a key part of it. And also the fact that the teams are tighter than sometimes the scorelines suggest. Mm. I or think the games that, are. Yeah, yeah. I think that even when there are a few blowouts, so for example, the games this weekend, um, the Brumbies aren't as bad as they were made to look and the Reds are not as bad as they were meant to look. 
and the majority of the games so far in this whole competition have been relatively tight and closely decided margins. Yeah. So I think A, the competition is tighter than people give it credit for. And B, I think you're right. Travel is taking its toll. Um, the, the, the fly in and fly out travel requirements, because it's different to kind of super rugby travel where you can come up uh, the day before or you're doing international travel. So you've got a couple of days. Yeah, in the exactly. So, and that you don't it, travel on game day either. Like you, you'll arrive the day before, you, set, yep. you have a good sleep, you get, up, you get ready for the game. Now that yep. they're, they're flying in or they're, they're busing up from Canberra to Sydney and they get there, they have a, an hour or two at most before the game, they train, they play, they get on the bus, they go home. Like that's, a big, that's a big thing. And the, I, don't even, I don't remember the last few weeks how it's gone, but I think both the Reds and the Brumbies have had their buys fairly early on in the season. So they're sort of in that middle period now where they're due for another buy soon. Yep. had a, a number of games that have this consistent sort of um, travel requirement. Yeah, so you wonder if maybe they'll be better for the buy afterwards once they've had that break. Um, but let's actually get into the game itself now. So we've talked about maybe some of the reasons yep. why we're seeing more in poor performance from the Brumbies who were and still are top of the table of the comp. Um, they really were dominated in a couple of facets. Number one, the Rebels tight five were fantastic. Matt Phillip is having a fantastic season and is showing really controlled aggression and competing to an excellent level at the line out as well. Um, I think he really showed up Swain and Frost as the two um, second rows for the Brumbies, who are both young, they're relatively inexperienced, and the Brumbies' second row stocks have just, have just been shot to pieces by yeah. the loss of Enova, um, Arnold. Arnold as well, and they, they've just lost a lot of players there. Um, Sam Carter as well, previously yeah, to that too. Um, so that was my first point. And the second one was the tactical kicking game from the Rebels was fantastic. Deegan was a bit of a revelation at 10 with Tamura yeah. outside him. The two of them were interchanging really well. And there was just a lot of smart tactical kicking where the Rebels played the game and used the kicking to get the ball deep into the Brumbies half and then just pressured them and turned the screen. Um, it was really, really impressive to see. I, there's a few comments going around now that the Rebels only play well in the wet. Um, I'm not sure how true that is, but oh, they, they didn't play well in that Reds game though in the wet. Yeah, true, true. So, um, so anyway, what do you think about the game, mate? What were some of your takeaways? I was really games? impressed with the Re um the Rebels set piece. So they scrum. Like the uh, the Brumbies are renowned for being sort of the dominant, I guess, apart from the Reds, being the dominant scrum team in in Australia. But the Rebels got a number of penalties against them, particularly in the 22. Mm. And silly penalties too. Like there was a number of calls of against CO for just early binding or early um, engagement. So it really did seem like they were quite rattled by the sort of scoreline and, and um, the fact that the game was sort of slipping through their fingers in that second half. CO doesn't seem to be the dominating player that he was in previous years this no, he season. Doesn't, doesn't he? He, doesn't, he doesn't seem to be on top of his form. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Like, I don't know whether it's the, the locks behind him that are not sort of giving him the right timing, get pushing a little bit too early, not holding him back enough. I don't know what it is, but yeah, they're, they're getting pinged a bit, um, which we haven't seen either in other weeks. So I thought that I was impressed with, with the Rebels that they were getting penalties and consistent penalties at scrum time and they were pushing the Brumbies backwards as well. Um, yes. and, yeah, and I just thought their, their lineups as well were great. The fact that they yeah. seem to... And they, their um, ability to convert 
points. So they would get penalties and they would just keep going. They weren't just taking the shot at goal, but they kept kept the pressure on. And, and that ultimately is what led to the tries. I thought that was really good. And Corabetti again, he's just, yeah. he's going from he's strength to strength. He's just incredible. He's such a good winger. Uh, your point about the lineouts, the Rebels had 13 of 15 lineouts won, so 86% to 16 of 21, 70%. So a, a full 10% difference in yeah. lineout control, which is really, really significant. They both had really good tackle completion, um, but the possession and territory, 63 possession, 65%. So just showed the they dominated both from yeah territory and, con- and ball control. Um, a couple of players that really stood out to me. I'm loving the return of Izzy Nasirani. Yep. Uh, he has played with aggression, endurance, and also has pretty decent offload as well. Um, and it just really makes me happy that he's getting back into form after his injury layoff because I think people have been hyping up Harry Wilson as the kind of like the sure thing for the Wolby's number eight. Yeah, spot particularly the prior to the, the break. Yeah, yeah. And look, Harry Wilson is great. Even in the game against the Tars, he had one of his worst games, but he still got through a mountain of effort, a mountain like of work. He, he had a, a bat, an off game for him, but he still had a much better game than a lot of other players. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So who, who are your number eight contenders? It's Wilson, it's Samu, and it's Nasirani. Samu's been playing well. Nasirani is playing very well in the two games that he's been back for, and Wilson continues to play well. So it's wonderful that we have these three genuine options, two with far more experience, obviously, than Wilson, um, to be competing for that number eight jersey. And that's just that's a great problem to have in my mind. Yeah, fantastic. I was really impressed with Frank Lamani at number nine. So oh. Lawrence has been doing really well at number nine for the Rebels, and I've been really impressed with him this year. He kind of came from nowhere. I didn't really know who he was prior to this this year kicking off and i was i've been impressed he's been quite decent but the fact that he got injured last week and he's now he's i think he's had surgery on his shoulder so he's out for shoulder or bicep or something yeah so he's out for a good good stint now um frank lamani gets gets the the starting jersey and he didn't disappoint he did really well he's got a really long pass and a really accurate long pass as well which i thought was I, i like i like that in a nine the ability to distribute the ball wide and quickly I like it. Yeah, and I think what you what we saw on Friday night was um, when the Rebels were in the Brumbies attacking zone, they played with a lot of width and speed on their attack. Yeah. And so having both Deegan and Tamua in there combined with Lamani's um, stronger passing game, in I really think unlocked the Rebels' back line, which so often is quite impotent. They mm. don't really seem to unlock the quality players they have in a back three. Yeah. Um, and yet, well, on Friday night, they, they were very, very good. And I just wonder if Billy Meeks, for all of his um, straight running, his physicality, his strong defense, and like decent ball skills, he's not as good a distributor or kicker as Tamua is. And so I wonder if pushing um, Tamua out there and having Meeks on the bench is a better option for them and use makes more as a utility cover. I mean, he play, he came on at six in the tail end of the game, which is just crazy. Oh, he um, played six. I, I didn't get to see the whole game, but I didn't catch that bit. <laughs> yeah, he came on at six near the end. Uh, I can't remember exactly the reason why, but he was definitely on at six. Because um, well, Lamani um, ended up playing on the wing as well. Yeah, yeah. They got a bunch of inju- a run of injuries at the end. But, yeah, it just seems to be a really positive tactical change. I was a bit surprised the Rebels did so well, considering they made so many 
changes to their team. But it obviously worked out for them and really, really impressive win for the Rebels. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point that you were saying that I, th- I think the the first half of this year, the Rebels were just, they never seemed to be able to get that back line firing. And they have mm. so many good plays in it. They just never seemed to be able to get their, their main ball runners into space. So this team this week had that ability, the ability to pass the ball out quickly and the kicking game as well to turn the Brumbies around. That's really where they excelled. Corabetti was always on the ball and always up for a big hit up. And a number of times he turned it over or regathered it himself. It was awesome. It was really good to see this team playing and they're finally sort of hitting their strides and, and getting some, some form. I just kind of hope that it starts to progress and keep going for them because like it's a it's a long season for them being away from home for so long. I don't. It's it's yeah. They they need to be rewarded with some victories. So I'd love to. See, I hope to see that this sort of run of form continues. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them progress. And there's just one quick thing. I just want to point out the number, like how many redheads the rebels had on their team. <laughs> Maybe that was the passion that was brought into the game. Um, you have Brad Wilkin. You have, who else you got? Campbell Magne, Andrew Kellaway. I feel like there's somebody else that I'm missing as well. Uh, but off the top of my head, I can't remember who else it was. Uh, so, yeah, it was just, look, a bit of Celtic passion or something like that coming in here. Matt is, I don't think Matt Phillips is a redhead, is he? I don't know. He looks a little bit... I'm just looking through the, the little display photos, right, as we, as we speak. Nah, he's not a ranger. Nah, he's not a ranger. Anyway, um, so well done. Bring in the Celtic fire. That's what we like. Shall we move on to the Waratahs Reds game? Let's do it. Okay, cool. So, Waratahs v Reds held out at the SCG last night, starting at 7.15pm. Both Mitch and I were out there with his brother, Tim. And it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. Not just because of the fine company of usual, <laughs> um, but mostly because we beat the 45-12. to 12, And it was, what, 38-0 at halftime? Yes, <laughs> so good. It just, I, I couldn't imagine. I didn't know... What I was watching, I was like, who are these guys? This is crazy. It was, it was incredible. And now there's, why, why don't you start this off, mate? Because I've got a bunch of stuff that I'd like to talk about, but let's hear your thoughts to be. Oh, where do I start? Okay. Um, I was really impressed with the Waratahs' approach to the game. So they all just looked like they wanted to make meters. And they were making meters in contact. They were making meters through contact and breaking tackles thought the Reds were quite poor in that sort of area on their one-on-one tackles. And they just seem to have this confidence about them that they've probably lacked in the last few weeks to kind of know that they were someone going to be there for that pass and that pop pass. And yeah. I think that's what's been really good about this team is that they're slowly coming together and progressing and getting that, um, that knowledge and that confidence that, and their skills have developed to a point now where they are able to throw the ball around. So that first half, it was dry. It wasn't raining. And they were just throwing the ball around like crazy. Like it almost looked like a um, a Fiji Sevens team at times. The yes, amount of offloads like that they were getting away was crazy. Incredible. Yep. So yeah, no, I was really impressed. I'm again really impressed with Harris's kicking ability. He didn't miss or hundred percent one kick. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Again, that's like two or three games in a row now that he's got above ninety percent in his kick. So that's that's really good. That's something the Waratahs haven't had consistently a kicker that can get it from most places on the field. So that's that's definitely helping a lot as well. Undoubtedly. I think um, Harrison was a bit underrated. I mean, people were talking about Jack, Jake Gordon for getting the um, hat-trick. Uh, people also really saying Alex Newsom, Jack Dempsey had good games, and they did. 
But I think that the ability of your number 10 to kick every point on offer and to just steer the ship well, play with a bit of width and um, just continue to develop as a young 10. I thought Harrison was fantastic last night and a huge amount of credit needs to go to him. Um, one of the things, I want to do a bit of an analytical comment here. Actually, we forgot something before it. we go any further. Sorry, we forgot to do our picks. Oh, the most important part. Go. The most important part. So leading into this game, both Andrew and myself were, were backing the Reds. So I said Reds by three. You said by 10. We had Carlos who said the Tars you by eight. Oh, Tars by eight. Okay. He said Tars by eight. And Tim said Tars by... I'm just bringing it up one sec. One sec. It was about three. Tars by three, he said. Yeah, Tars by three. Um, now, look. Okay, Carlos technically is the closest. But he's also... 37 points off no less than that he's less than that 31 um he's he's very he's very far off so i don't think anyone gets chockies for that for that effort like carlos and tim they both picked the tars but yeah like kudos well done kudos okay like little golf clap if you can hear this that's what you get that's that's the clap um you don't get the chockies though so sorry guys you got to be a bit closer than that yeah all right now, back to me, because I yes. want it to be about yes. me. Um, so I was thinking about this, and I was trying to think what the Tars were doing differently that enabled their attack to be so incisive. Now, a couple of them are just really smart plays, like Jake Gordon's, I think it was his second try or third try, where the um, Reds give away a penalty. He takes a quick tap, runs That's through. That's the second try, yeah. That's the second try. Um, but the first and the Alex Newsom one as well, where he does yep. a mad jump into the corner and puts it down just on the edge. Um, what the Tars seem to do and seem to um, execute well this week, and they've been trying to do it previously as well, is have a lot of depth to their play, but in such a way that they're not getting caught out by any type of umbrella defence. And so the forwards actually having some dominance in the carries they were making was really helping. In this. Obviously, that's the key to re-ending backline play. Um, but they were, in my mind, targeting Hunter Paisami. So Paisami is playing for the Reds at 13. And I'm not sure how many people would have noticed, but his leg was incredibly strapped up. Yeah, and like I'm wondering if he's yeah yeah I'm wondering if he's carrying a niggle that is maybe preventing him from having a bit of the turning agility that you'd be hoping for. Plus, Paisami is well known for going for the he'll he'll rush up out of the line like 13s often do to try and cut off that outside pass, and he'll go for the massive hit, but he's not always the most accurate with it. And so, what the Tars seem to be doing is having a couple of forward runners playing it behind them and then doing really quick hands from players running onto the ball, not catching it static and just getting on the outside of that defense. And Ram had an absolute blinder of just stepping in from the outside and running into that gap that they had off Pasami's shoulder. And it was just really impressive to see them execute those wide plays at pace obviously targeting the outside Reds defense, which they must have identified as a weakness prior to the game. Yeah, well, definitely. Like a, a lot of the, the points and a lot of the game, the meters that they made came from that post-contact. So they would commit the, the tackler, the player to the tackle and then as the forward runner and then bust through it to a point where they could then get their hands free and offload it to a back who was just coming in at pace. Um, and that, they were making meters all the way through. But even in the middle, closer to the sort of breakdown, the forwards yeah. were still making meters just through little holes. 
So Harry Johnson Holmes had a number of quick little darts from from the base yeah, of the too. scrum. Michael Hooper was running it off the back of the line out a lot. Mm-hmm. Jack Dempsey had a few good tackle busts, especially the one that he just offloaded to Maddox. Yeah, yeah, that set up the try. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it was great to see this Waratahs team just having that confidence and and the fact that the the ball was going to hand as well. I think that's something that we've lacked earlier on. They sort of had that intent in the first few games of the year, but their skill set wasn't quite there and they dropped the ball a lot. And that level has improved. And I I hope we see that going forward because against the Rebels two weeks ago, their handling was atrocious. Similar conditions in the second half of tonight though. And they they were better. Yeah. And I think um, what we also saw is one of those nights where everything just comes off for one team and doesn't come off for the other team. Yeah. So early in the first half, the ball goes wide. It's one of the first times the Reds have had the ball in the first like 15, 20 minutes of the game. And Harry Wilson just drops it cold. Hardly no, any wasn't pressure. Wasn't it play uh, there, there was multiple, but Harry Wilson did drop on cold in front of us. Um, on the other end, Dungunu oh, just dropped one off a break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kick it, kick it, Harry. Yeah, we were yelling very loudly. Um, <laughs> on the far side, the Reds had a massive overlap after yes, a turnover, and Dungunu just drops it cold. Yeah, Dungunu, um, that's it. I thought it was with absolutely no yeah. pressure. Yeah, yeah. And so there's just these little moments in the game that that seem to be a reflection of not being. I'm not sure how accurate this statement is, but I'll put it out there anyway. Sometimes small things like that might be a reflection of whether a team has turned up for the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you look at the post-match comments or discussion by Wright and um, Brad Thorn. Thorne, they, the team was obviously impacted by... Um, yeah, Taylor's they're really rocked there. by it. Yeah, so I'm wondering if the lack of physicality and intensity and kind of mental focus surely it has to be attributed to that. I mean, the other thing you've got to think too is the Reds have the biggest... They're the one team in this comp that has to travel the furthest. So everyone else is based in Sydney, apart from um, Canberra. So the Rebels are playing at home. The Force are playing in Sydney. They're based in Sydney. They're the only ones that are flying in and out. It will change next week when the, the Rebels and the Western Force move up into Queensland. There'll be a little bit more travel, so the Waratahs will have to travel. But... I think definitely that's something that has to be a consideration as well. Yeah, um, and it's, it's hard trying to unpack it. I mean, a lot of people are pointing fingers at Brad Thorne and really just questioning him as a coach because his win-loss record is really poor um, with the Reds. Despite the potential that we've seen, despite some of the games, the Reds really showing up and playing some fantastic rugby. By and large, they have not lived up to the promise that they undoubtedly have. Mm. And people are therefore looking at the coach and going, well, at the end of the season, is it time for a change or does he get one more season? Oh, I do look at players... It comes down to leadership too. They're such a young side. Now, they have been together for a few years now. But in yeah. a game like this, is, this is when the leaders need to step up and, and sort of take charge and say, guys, look, we're just not doing the basics right. We're, we're falling off our tackles. We're just going in at the breakdown. We're giving penalties away. We're giving away sloppy points. We just need to come together. Now, James O'Connell was trying very hard this game. Liam Wright also was trying very hard. They're the two sort of leaders of this team. But I don't know if they were actually talking to the guys and they were getting that communication out there and just giving that reassurance that, come on, like, don't look at the scoreboard. We can get back in this. And I think that's what sort of leads into that uh the the result we saw is they kind of they all the players went into their shells so they started yeah. doing really 
just like the kicking. If you look at the kicking, they started kicking aimlessly away when they had the ball. They weren't tactically kicking, which we've actually seen them in previous weeks be quite good at that. I'm just wondering if Jock Campbell is better at 15 than Bryce Hegarty and whether Bryce Hegarty should be on the wing or just on the bench as a utility back. Because I know Jock Campbell went off, what, 30th minute with a HIA and then didn't come back on. Um, but Jock Campbell's just, in my mind, his best games for the Reds have been at fullback. And I have not been impressed with him any time he's played wing. And I just wonder if that's a bit of a selection issue there. Um, Thor, Taniela Tupo, had his, in my opinion, worst game of the season so far. He was really I think if you sort of just look across the team, you would say that for most players. I don't think anyone really stood out as yeah, being sure. half yeah. decent for the Reds. I just mm. think they were all just flat and they weren't up for it. Yep. Looking at Joff Campbell's game, we did notice being out there that he did sort of get an injury early on. There was yep. that... Um, that he got a pretty bad breakdown. Yeah, right down that left-hand side. I think it even came from the try that we scored. James Ram kicked over the top. Um, yep. And Hegarty came over to sort of gather it. And they kind of had a head clash. And he got up and he was a bit wobbly. And then maybe 10 minutes later, he got an injury to his calf or his hamstring or his lower leg. And he was sort of wobbling a bit. So he, he seemed like he was nursing some injuries. And yep. yeah, he just never really improved from that point. Yeah, so I mean, look... As a Waratahs fan, you've got to be happy. As an Australian rugby fan, I'm pretty disappointed that the Reds were so poor. Um, I'm really looking for them to be providing a lot of challenge to the Brumbies. Although with the Rebels and the way they've been playing the last two weeks, um, maybe it's the Rebels that are going to be the stiffest competition for the Brumbies moving forward. Um, but either well, way, the competition's now. really close. Yeah, yeah, true. But unless they get to the finals together. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So the current ladder at the moment, it goes Brumbies, then Rebels, then Waratahs, then Reds, then Force. Um, Waratahs beating the Reds on goal difference. So yeah, we're equal. not goal difference. <laughs> Sorry, that's football terms. Points for and on against. Points difference. Yeah, for and against. Goal difference. Like, um, what are you talking about? What shots of goal? <laughs> Kicking accuracy. Followed Liverpool for too many years, mate. Uh, um, how boring. Nah, it's good, mate. It's good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure if there's anything much more I need to say. Anything you want to? Uh, I got one quick point. I I did think um, Jack Maddox played really well. That was something we noticed when we were at the game. Uh, yeah, you yeah. you turned to me in the first half and sort of said you could really tell that that Maddox is a um, sort of a, a reactionary player, a confidence the, player, confidence yeah. player. That's the words you used. So if he has if his first few contacts with the ball are not positive and he stuffs something up, he really just goes into his shell and withdraws. Yep. In this game, he had some really good contacts. And I think one of his first um, touches was setting up that try um, or helping with the try um, through the little kick over the top from Ram. So his confidence from the, the get-go was up and he played really well. His kicking was really good as well. Um, I think what we've come to see is that when he has a bit of an off start to his game, he withdraws and then he just he chooses to kick the ball away and not run it as much. Um, yeah, and I think that's definitely because... That's something we've been talking about for weeks now is the Waratahs' aimless kicking games. And I think Jack Maddox playing fullback sort of attributes that. So when he's not got that confidence to take the line on, he'll kick it. And he probably is not looking for space to just kicking it to get the ball away. But this week, he had that confidence. He backed himself. The whole back line, the whole team had confidence. I haven't seen this a Waratahs team play this well since 2004. Ooh, big call. Big call. Okay. It was a body good game. I don't remember the last time we put 38 points on the team in the first half. So maybe your call is uh, justified. 
Well, I've seen it reported in other places, so it is, it's definitely justified. <laughs> um, yeah, we were pushing in that second half. Both of us were sitting there, just wanting them to hit over 50. And yep. if they got a few more points and they didn't concede that last try to James O'Connor, they, that would have been a record for the first, the highest margin um, the Waratahs have ever beaten the Reds. Uh, it, as it stands, it is the biggest margin in, in Super Rugby, but we played them in 1955, I think it was, at North Sydney Oval or something and, and beat them by 55 points. So, <laughs> Okay. So it's the biggest margin in Super Rugby. And the who would biggest have professional margin. Super Rugby at you. Exactly, particularly after the performance of the Rebels. So, yeah, I'm wrapped. Yep. Well, mate, I'm pretty happy to leave it there. Should we move on to the New Zealand games now? Let's do it. Let's move on over. We move now to the New Zealand side of Super Rugby, where we had round 10, uh, round 9, sorry, round 10's next week, um, where first up we had the Hurricanes hosting the Chiefs, and then we had the Crusaders hosting the Highlanders. Now, both myself and Ando didn't get to watch these games in full. We've just seen the highlights. Um, so we'll, we'll try and keep this one brief, um, just chat about what we thought. Well, just a few points. So the first game, Hurricanes hosting the Chiefs. Score ended up being 31-18 to 18 to the Hurricanes. Anything to say about this one, Ando? Nope. The Chiefs suck. Um, <laughs> and what is it? Eight losses in this competition, nine in a row. Um, the last game was the one where they beat the Waratahs back in the earlier stage of the comp. Yeah, and that, that was a pretty good performance by the Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs were four and one at the yeah. start of the season. They were like up there competing. At they beat the, they beat the Crusaders the at home in the first half. Yep. So yep. it's weird, isn't it? This team, like they it's, haven't had yeah. many ins and outs. They haven't had that many injuries. Yep. I don't really know what's happened. They've just really gone off the boiler. I mean, part of the problem is you're playing Chiefs team, you're playing New Zealand teams every single week, so there are no easy games. Um, and it must just be a confidence issue that compounds upon itself and you never get a, an easy game yeah. um, to change that momentum. So poor Chiefs, I feel for you and your fans. Um, better luck next season. That's basically where we need to sit with, with this one. I mean, Hurricanes <laughs> deserve to win. They played well. Took the points on offer. Um, there's some some good things coming from this team, but yeah, that's about it, really. I haven't got too yeah. much to say. No, neither. Um, do we have the predictions for those for that? Oh, what we said. Okay, uh, so I said um, Hurricanes by 14. You said by 17. Tim said the Canes by 10, and Carlos said the Hurricanes by 12. You win. Oh, you share it with Carlos. It's by 13. And you said 14 and he said 13. He said 12. Ooh, nice. All right. Well, I'll give it to Carlos then. All right. Oh, that's, that's very um, generous of you. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, right cool. Mate. Crusaders versus Highlanders. So Crusaders, Highlanders, this one was a bit of an upset. So halftime, the Highlanders were winning. And up into the 60th minute, the Highlanders were up. But then the Crusaders, as they always do, just came home very strong. Ended up winning 32-22. So for predictions, I said Crusaders by 20. You said by 10. So you get the chocolates there. Oh, get in, Chockies. Tim said Crusaders by 30. So they won. <laughs> they scored 30 points, but not 30 more than the opposition. Um, and Carlos said Crusaders by 15. So I think everyone knew that the Crusaders were going to win. I don't think anyone thought that the Highlanders would do so well to be in it as long as they were. I was really impressed with the Highlanders' fight, considering they were also mm -hmm. playing this game in Christchurch. So yeah, it was good. Aaron Cruden yeah. was 
as always. Uh, Aaron Smith, sorry, as always, just doesn't stop. Yeah, and I've been really impressed by Richie Mwanga at 10. I mean, it's hard not to be impressed by him, whatever he does. He's a very attractive man and a good rugby player. <laughs> and a so, oh, yeah, him and Ryan Lonig. Um, I just wonder what the what the All Blacks, or well, Ian Foster, is going to do. Um, who's he going to put Bowden Barrett at 15? Is he going to put Mwanga at 10? Is he, like, yeah, I, I think, I'm I think very interested. I do think he has to go with Barrett at 15 and Mwanga at 10. I don't yeah. think, like, Barrett's only played two games at 10 so far, and Mwanga's just on point. He's just on form. Yeah. So I don't He's think anyone form. else is yeah. pushing. I mean, who else is pushing for the 15? Geordie? Um, Geordie no. Barrett. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think he'd be pushing Bowden out of it. Well, he might be pushing Bowden out of 15 because Bowden's more of a 10 than a 15. Yeah, but um, Mwanga's pushing Bowden out of 10. Oh, so yeah, I know. Not start Bowden, put him on the bench. <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating problem to have, isn't it? Um, you're right. I don't think Geordie will push Bowden out. Um, but you've also got Will Jordan as well at the Crusaders, who yeah. is insane. And he's a legitimate potential for the 15 jersey too. So, but I don't think Jordan will get in because he's got um, the two Barrett's ahead of him. And I think Bowden probably will start at 15 mm. and Mwanga at 10, particularly because that's the um, World Cup combination they had previously. Yeah. But um, I mean, new coach, new, new setup. Who knows what happens? Yeah. Yeah. One other player I wanted to mention, um, Jack Goodhue continues to impress me, not just because of the disgustingness of his mullet, but oh, more, so because he, <laughs> more so because he continues to develop his game. Um, he had a brilliant, brilliant... Uh, piece of involvement in the lead up to one of the Crusaders tries where he takes the ball wide, does a little jink and step inside, yeah, draws three defenders whilst getting his arms through the tackle to then offload the ball to the wide player who then goes through for the try. And that really, um, that try as well sparked this comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Because time. they went and into so, score two minutes later again. Yeah. He's, he's just developed his game. Um, he's, adding that offload ability. He's always been a hard runner. He's always been very abrasive and physical. Um, not to the extent of someone like Lamapi, but he, or Anton Leonard Brown, but he's adding kicking and a bit more intelligence to his gameplay that's really impressive to see. So yeah. I think he's going to be a lock at 13. Yeah, cool. I, do, I think we'll see him in that, in that starting side for sure. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that, that result sees the Crusaders take the comp out with a week to play. Um, I guess four in a row. Yeah, four in a row. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's pretty I mean, uh, Look, I don't want to be a party pooper. Well done to the Crusaders. They've done so well. But you've got to say, it must get be getting boring for New Zealand fans now. <laughs> I mean, no I other think team this season, has... The rise of the Blues has really led to a bit more interest in it, which is fair enough. I mean, it'll be good to see. And I'm, hap- I'm glad that the Crusaders are playing the Blues in Auckland next week because we get like a, a mini semi-final, uh, a mini final. It's already yep. wrapped up, but it would be great to see the Blues beat them at home. But yeah, I mean, yeah. four on the trot now. They don't look like ever backing down. They just look like an invincible side. And I mean, as a, as a fan of the, the Chiefs, the Hurricanes or the Highlanders, I just don't see how you realistically think your side has a chance against this Crusaders outfit. Yep. So, I mean, it's tough, but I'm happy that we're playing in Australia at the moment. We don't have to play them. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Well, why don't we move on to our predictions for the round seven of the Super Rugby that AU? That is then correct. Aotearoa round 10, the final round. Yeah. So in, in the week after next, it'll just be Australian rugby. 
Ooh, and Premiership. Yeah, so the English Premiership will be back for them. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if we'll be looking at that as intently as this, but we'll see. No, definitely We not. don't know. Uh, so game one sees the Western Force host the Waratahs, this time on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my pick for this game, I think, as much as I love what happened with the Tars on the weekend, I think that the travel factor that you alluded to is really significant. Yep. I also think that the Waratahs are consistently inconsistent. And I think the Western Force are not bad enough to go through the whole competition without a win. So, with that being said, I think Western Force by five. Ooh, be cool. Now, I'm going to be happy if I'm wrong and we win. But <laughs> you're you doing this jockeys. again, are you? You're going against the Tars. <laughs> and I'm happy either way because I picked it, but. I'm a Tars fan, so... Yeah, I was trying to think, do I vote with the heart or the head? And I'm voting with the head at this point. Okay, all right. Uh, look, so I, I I think it could go either way this game. Um, the Force coming off a bye, and we have seen in this competition, the teams that come off a bye are roaring and ready to go. So they do put in a good performance. Um, the fact that they're playing on the Gold Coast, what what is this, eight, seven, eight weeks away from home... The Waratahs, I, I, I think if they can play like they did last night, next week, they're going to take the force by a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. I'm going to go for the Waratahs for this one, and I'm going to okay. say by seven. Ooh, okay. All right. So a bit tighter than... Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know because as, as we've alluded to, they can turn up and play really well. They can't. This is the first time this year, really, that we've seen them travel, apart from the yeah, first game point. of the comp. So we'll see how they go. I hope Rob Penny can get them up and just say, guys, we played so well last week. Let's just keep going. We've got four games now. Let's just give it everything for those four weeks and see if we can just get that momentum rolling. But I think the Western Force, as you said, will be up for that victory as well. So it'll be a tight game either way, but I'm going for the Tars. So, yeah. Second game, Reds v Brumbies. Reds at home. So the Brumbies are the ones doing the travel up. Um, This time, they don't get to get the bus back. Hold on, this is Reds v Rebels. Oh, Reds v Rebels. Have you put the wrong name on? I had written it down wrong. I apologize. Okay. That's okay. Thank you for the correction. Reds v Rebels. Brumbies have um, a bye next so, week. Brilliant. Well, that gives them time to lick their wounds and sort out what is going. Um, so my prediction for this, Reds v Rebels. Um, I was really, really impressed with this Rebels outfit. I just wonder if the Reds will learn from the mistakes and won't have as much, um, won't be as affected by the loss of Jordan Pattaya's father and will have received an absolute rocket all week from the insipid performance that was really put in last night um, and will come out firing. I think it will be close because the Rebels have been playing well the last two weeks. Yep. So I'm going to go Reds by about seven. Okay, interesting, cool. Yeah, I look, I think the Reds are going to want to make up for the performance against the Tars this week. They're playing at home. The Rebels mm. did put in a good performance, but I just think the Reds are going to be wanted a little bit more. So I'm leaning that way, again, by not much. I'm going to probably say Reds by three because I do think that the Rebels have the firepower in the back line to, to match it with this Red side. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be able to put in two back-to-back performances. We haven't seen them put two yet this year. So I, I think, yeah, home ground advantage is going to win out and I'm going Reds by three. Yeah, I just wonder... I mean, well, the Rebels have just played two good games in a row. I mean, they just dominated the Brumbies and they beat the Force handily the previous week. Um, 
so it may well be the Rebels have hit some form. Part of me thinks that I'm doing them a disservice by not tipping them in this game, considering they are second on table. Um, but anyway, I've made my call. Let's move on. Yep. Okay, so we go over to New Zealand for the last game of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Game one sees the Highlanders host the Hurricanes. Firstly, can I just say who cares the competition's over? <laughs> like, like so there's just, no final series. The Crusaders have won. Yeah, exactly. That's a bit it's, of it's that's boring, isn't it? Who cares? This week, it's almost a nothing week of rugby. Don't even watch it. Don't even go. <laughs> if you live over there, don't right. even let's just going. let's just roll through this. Give me, give us your picks, and don't say why. I'm going Highlanders. Bye. I'm going to go Highlanders by five. Okay, I'm going to go Hurricanes by ten because Aaron Smith can't carry them every single week, every game. Um, Hurricanes by ten. All right, but they're on. playing at home. Last home game of the year. Blues yeah, versus well. Crusaders. Mm-hmm. I want the Blues to win this game. Yeah, so I do too. I think it by about oh, five. I think the um, I hope to see the Blues name Dan Carter for this one. I don't think we will, but yeah. Um, final game of the year. The Crusaders have already won it. I think the Blues will just be up to get the victory. So I'm going Blues by 10. Yep. Okay, cool. Good call. Done. Done. Guys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, that's been fun. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Mitchell, anything you want to sign off with before we finish? Uh, no, I don't think so. so. Go the Tars. Well done this week. It was great to get the victory. Sorry for the Brumbies and the Reds who just put in something a little bit unexpected. But in saying that, the competition is now alive. We have yeah. everyone probably by the force has a chance of making the finals now. So, I mean, sorry, you got the loss, but you've really made this competition exciting. So I'll take that. 100%. All right, mate, let's call it there and I hope you cool. have a wonderful week. See you, everyone. We'll catch you all next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at at pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at pick underscore drive underscore rugby or send us an email at pickanddriverugby at gmail.com we'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have so get in touch thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week